from KDNK Community Access Radio in Carbondale, Colorado, in the United States, this is program number 11 of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. When blind people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted friends. We don't see towering mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to identify and even create experiences that are more meaningful and just more fun for us and our sighted traveling companions. Frequently, as people lose their eyesight, they become more and more isolated. The tactile traveler hopes to empower people not only literally to go around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. On today's program, we'll learn about echolocation, a way to hear to see, how to deal with miserable pillows in hotel and motel rooms, how to avoid accidentally becoming the hunted during hunting season, Getting the most out of Amtrak. What to do when you forgot your chargers. And a trip you won't have to take for a really secret ballot. Our first story begins very quietly, so don't worry if you have trouble hearing it at first. What you're hearing is a way blind people can see. I'm going to increase the volume in case you're in your car, or another environment with loud background sounds, or you're hard of hearing. A number of blind kids have learned that they can ride bicycles by clicking their tongues and listening to the sounds echo off obstacles in their way. The clicking you're hearing is being made by Daniel Kish, who figured out that he could click his tongue to find out what's around him long before he was old enough to ride a bike. Soon after he had his second eye removed because of eye cancer, at about 13 months old, his parents found him on the floor where he had climbed out of his crib. He was making clicking sounds with his tongue and seemed to be able to avoid bumping into things. Now in his mid-50s, he's president of World Access for the Blind, an organization that teaches blind people all over the world how to use echolocation. Echolocation can be defined as another way to see, another way to, to be aware of one's surroundings. If you're using a form of active echolocation, we call it flash sonar, you're emitting your own signal, a signal that you've designed for yourself. It can be it can be in the form of a tongue click or some other kind of click. That signal goes out into the environment, it reflects from surfaces throughout the environment, returns to the user with experience. The user learns to construct images based on the pattern of reflections from all of those surfaces. It, it, the, the, the principle is very similar actually to vision. It's very similar to the use of light. 
to see with, you're just using sound instead of light. So it turns out the brain can really use any form of sensation uh, to construct images of its surroundings, and one can learn to deploy the visual system of the brain to do this, to use alternative sensory information, sensory information other than eyesight, to construct images of one's surroundings. And you can use those images to know what's around you, where, where you are, where to go, how to get there, how to get there securely, efficiently, and effectively. Brain scans show that echolocation stimulates the same part of your brain as sight. It's been described as three-dimensional fuzzy geometry. So echolocation does, it does provide spatial images, in other words, images of the space around the user, particularly with regard to surfaces. So where are spatial boundaries? Where are walls? It tells you where things are and what things are. So it, it gives you a, a good perception of density, texture, shape, or contour. Uh, it gives you a form factor of various surfaces and objects out to a considerable distance. I mean, practiced users detect large enough objects and large surfaces for dozens or even hundreds of meters. So there's a considerable distance factor here as well. It gives the user spatial layout of one's surroundings and also information about what things are. It does not have the definition, it does not have the same degree of detail or, or definition that vision typically has. And so that's where the, the idea of fuzzy geometry comes from, in the sense that edges tend to be blurred, objects that are close to each other tend to blur together, etc., etc. It's not it's not necessarily a one-to-one -one replacement to vision in that sense, but it does provide much of the same information that vision provides, certainly enough information to make a massive and often decisive improvement in the security and efficiently, efficiency and effectiveness of the way one travels. I interviewed Kish on the phone while he was walking down the street near his home in California. Notice he's clicking while carrying on a conversation about how echolocation can be used while participating in sports. There are a lot of activities where echolocation becomes what I would call <laughs> part of the experience or, or a partial support to the experience. Echolocation isn't necessarily always the whole thing. So, for example, yes, in, in an activity something like skiing or mountain biking or lots of sports activities, you're using echolocation to facilitate that activity, to know where things are around you and to have a better idea of where you're going, to have a better idea of, you know, if something's in front of you, not to run into something. But you may, you will often need to integrate other skills, uh, possibly other supports, to engage in the full range of that activity, right? So for example, we've got some kids who like, or well, adults too, who like ball sports. And they can use echolocation for orientation around a sports area, whether it's a field or a you know, or an, or an indoor area, they can use echolocation to know what their orientation is, they can use echolocation to know where other people are, but they won't necessarily be able to tell where the ball is using echolocation. 
And so you may still need to audify the ball. The ball may need to make some kind of a noise, or uh, also you may still need to mark up the sports area with some kind of raised raised markings, ropes, or whatever, because, of course, you can't use echolocation to detect lines and other demarcations. So, so echolocation is a very, very good facilitator of lots of activities, and it's used in combination with whole skill set and a whole set of experiences. Daniel Kish encourages people to learn how to use echolocation when they're very young, but adults can learn it too. It may take longer and they'll have to work harder. Derek Twain is 52 and lost almost all his sight three years ago. My hearing is bad enough that I'm considered deafblind and I misunderstood his name and pronounced it incorrectly on program number 10. More about that in a minute. Derek lives in Stoltz in the Netherlands. He's learning how to use echolocation from one of Daniel Kish's associates in nearby Belgium. It's, it's working quite well. I mean, it takes some time. It's not something that sort of um, uh, switches on because I have seen a number of videos from World Access for the Blind where normally they do a three-day course and they're completely switched on. So effectively, what I mean by completely switched on is that they're the clicks become like images in their head. So you have those visual images in the visual cortex of their, of their mind. I haven't got that. What I see is like a darker blackness. So I know it's there because it sort of like becomes like a denser darkness. Um, so then I can say that's a tree or a lamppost. It's coming along, but it's one of those uh, techniques, like a language, that you need to continue to practice it to hone it and get the skill level and the accuracy to the level that you need to have it to be able to navigate yourself around. Yes, I can indeed. Um, I have two clicks. I have a loud click, which is like so. And I have a softer one, which gives me more details while I do a more So That gives me more information uh, around me. And the bigger click is more or less like a scanning it sort of tells me my objects all around in my uh, in, in the direction that I'm clicking. So it's more or less like you use that to scan, and then I hone in with the with the softer click for me personally, and that seems to work. But it's extremely handy already. I'm, um, I have to say because at night time, or as soon as the the light is poor, then my vision is almost non-existent. But using the clicks, I'm able to sort of just move around and find. Obstacles like lampposts and posts, which are in the way, or or people, for example, are in the way, and I'm, I'm able to actually now sort of almost see them and, a, and able to navigate myself around there. So it's coming along quite nicely, but obviously never as fast as I wanted to come along. But that comes from doing more practice uh, for myself. Like anything, you have to practice to make it perfect. Even many people who are hard of hearing can use echolocation. They can ask their audiologists or hearing aid providers to adjust their hearing aids to better be able to hear the clicks. For more information on echolocation, click on worldaccessfortheblind.org and visioneers.org. Sometimes staying in a hotel or motel can be a pain in the neck. Lydia Eckert has a suggestion you might find useful. 
It's those huge pillows you have to use in many hotels and motels. They make the room look very impressive when you first walk into the room, if you still can look. But they can hurt your neck, hurt so much in the morning. It takes the fun out of your trip. The awful pillows come in two sizes. King, which is half the width of a king-sized bed, and body pillows, which are the entire width of the bed. So if you want to get a good night's sleep, after being duly impressed, you could call the front desk or the housekeeping and ask for standard-sized pillows. But if they hate their guests and don't have any, there's still a way to get a good night's sleep. Instead of laying your head on top of one of the pillows, put two of the pillows together and place your head between them. And then you can adjust them so that your head is comfortable. I found another use for those miserable pillows. They make good blankets. Sleep tight and don't let the bed bugs bite. If there really are bed bugs, find another hotel with better pillows. Thank you, Lydia. It's hunting season where I live and in many parts of North America. That means if you hike, fish, or just walk where there might be hunters, be prepared. I've covered too many people killed by accident during hunting season, including two kids on mopeds who the perpetrators swore looked like elk. Since we can't see hunters, we have to be extra careful to make sure they see us. That means wear a hunting vest when you're in the woods or on roads near woods. They come in two colors, fluorescent orange and hot pink. You can buy them in the sporting goods department of big box stores like Target and in sporting goods stores, along with matching hats. And big box pet stores may carry reversible dog sweaters that are bright orange or hot pink on one side and tan on the other. Use these cautions and you and your guide dog won't end up on the wall in some hunter's trophy room. You're listening to the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. A good way to really see or experience America is by rail. Instead of flying from New York to San Francisco in as little as six hours in the air, you can spend all or part of four days riding across America by rail. Jason Struther has some tips on how to get the most out of your train travel for the least amount of money. It's by buying an Amtrak Pass. It allows you to get off the train and stay somewhere for a couple of hours or a couple of nights. So you can visit the local attractions, hear the local accents, taste the regional cuisine, smell the air, and feel the weather. But you need to plan carefully because an Amtrak Pass doesn't allow you to get off and on as many trains or buses as you might like to. For example, 
A 15-day pass for $459 only allows you to switch between 8 Amtrak trains and buses. A 30-day pass for $689 is good for 12 trips. And a 45-day pass is good for a total of 18 departures. If you have a disability, like being legally blind, or are over the age of 65, you can subtract 10% from the pass price. Kids between the ages of 2 and 11 can go for half price. And if a sighted companion is accompanying you, who is between the age of 12 and 64, they can also get 10% off. But sleeper seats and meals cost extra. Amtrak passes can be a great deal, but pay attention to the routes. For example, if you're going from Chicago to Boston via Washington, D.C., that takes up four bookings. Let me break that down for you. That's Chicago to Washington, Washington to New York City, New York City to Albany, and then Albany to Boston. But if you take the Lakeshore Limited, you can go all the way from Chicago to Boston with one ticket and not have to change trains. But if you want to board more Amtrak trains and buses than your pass allows, figure out the shortest route and buy an extra ticket. Sometimes it might make more sense to use other forms of transportation for short journeys. For example, maybe you're going from Newark, New Jersey to New York City. Here, use a local commuter train service like New Jersey Transit or PATH. Amtrak passes are only valid in the United States, so don't plan on making any trips to Montreal or Vancouver in Canada. Otherwise, you'll have to pay an extra charge. Be creative. One time, the tactile traveler met a couple who were on a multi-city book tour. They traveled to their next destinations at night, so they avoided paying for a hotel. So if you're ready to hit the rails, give Amtrak a call or look them up online. A-M-T-R-A-K. For the Tactile Traveler, I'm Jason Struther. All aboard! Thank you, Jason. Have you ever arrived at your hotel and realized that your phone charger is at home instead of in your suitcase? We'd like to welcome our newest reporter, Adrian Hickox, who has a tip you might find useful. Cell phones are important to everyone, but they're even more important when you're blind or have low vision because of all the apps that helps us figure out where we are at when we can't read street signs or the names of businesses like hotels. But frequently there is a solution for that empty feeling you get after you've emptied your suitcase without finding your charger or chargers. Go to the front desk and tell the desk clerk that you forgot your charger and ask if they have one you can borrow. Usually a miracle happens. A big box or basket of chargers guests have left in their rooms and never claims suddenly appears in front of you. There will probably be one that fits your phone or gadget. They'll not only lend it to you, frequently they'll let you keep it, eliminating a lot of the stress for your trip. Thank you, Adrian. Our next program will be on Election Day. This story is about a trip you won't have to take to vote in privacy. In 25, an increasing number of states. Curtis Chong is the voting rights spokesperson for the National Federation of the Blind of Colorado which is one of those states. He says, a problem facing blind voters and people with other kinds of disabilities is the ability to cast a secret ballot. Colorado, first of all, is a vote-by-mail state, which means that all registered voters will receive in the mail a piece of paper or two which constitutes the ballot. If you're a person who has tremendous problems with motor control, you may not be able to use 
the pencil or pen or whatever it is to mark the mail ballot, and certainly a person who is blind enough that they cannot see the print on the ballot would not be able to mark that ballot independently without some help from another person, which by definition makes that uh, eliminates the uh, secret ballot concept. So now your your votes are being shared with the person who's uh, helping you. Chong says a system has been developed to change that. You can vote on your computer by going to myballot.solorado.gov. In other states, call your county election office to get your webpage address. You say, I want to vote my ballot. And then what happens is it asks you for information about who you are. What is your name? What is your birth date? What county do you vote in? And then you indicate that you're requesting an accessible quote-unquote ballot as opposed to an emergency ballot or something else. Then it verifies your identity by having you uh, indicate either your state ID number, which is on your ID card, which most of us, I'm sure, don't know, or the last four digits of your Social Security number. Once all of that has been validated, a web page pops up which represents the entire ballot, it's got a bunch of contests listed with names and check boxes. And so each contest will tell you what the contest is. It'll tell you the name uh, and how many positions you should mark. So once all of that's done, you mark the ballot, you get an opportunity to review the ballot. On This is all using a computer or smartphone. And then once you've verified that, then you push a button that says, uh, I mean a logical button, not a real button, that you want to print the ballot. So the ballot document is printed on your printer. And then there's one more step. I want to download and print what's called the ballot return package. This is a sheet of paper which will have been filled in by the software with your identifying information. It has then the third, the bottom third of the page is completely blank. And that's where they want you to sign your name. Now you have two pieces of paper, or potentially three, depending upon how big the ballot is. And you want to take all of those pieces of paper, put them in an envelope. Either You can either use the ballot envelope that you would have gotten in the mail, or if you're like me and you want to get a jump on everything, you can create your own envelope and address it to your county clerk. And there's a list up on the state's website that lists everybody's county's clerk. And you can either drop it in the mail or... If you're adventurous enough or close enough to one, you can just walk it over to an authorized ballot drop box and drop the whole thing in. They want you to write official ballot enclosed on that envelope so that there's no doubt uh, about you know what it is. Chung says the biggest flaw in the system is that lots of people don't have printers. We don't know how it's going to look yet. We do know that military voters and citizens who live overseas have a way to get their ballots in electronically without uh, having to print them. And so we would like to find a way that we, we, the people with disabilities and the blind, can have the same uh, capability. Any voter covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act is eligible to vote using this system. It's my talking scale. Reminded us 
that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please let us know by sending an email to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. We spell traveler the American way with one L. We'd also like to hear your story ideas from all over the world. Send us an email with story ideas in the subject line at the tactile traveler at gmail.com. If you'd like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwrite in the subject line at the tactile traveler at gmail.com. Transcripts of this program are also available for our deaf listeners by searching the tactile traveler in any search engine. This program is also being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and in other states, and available wherever you get podcasts, and asking your smart speaker to play the podcast, The Tactile Traveler. We'd like to thank the following organizations and people who helped make today's program possible. Be My Eyes Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support. Apple Accessibility Tech Support, Patrick Canero, Joe Beaver, Becca Wortham, Liz Dorsey, Lorraine Hutchinson, Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, Debbie O'Leary, Lucas Turner, and Raleigh Burley. This has been the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. The Tactile Traveler is a production of KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale, Colorado.